Hey there, church. I want to welcome all of you across the network and wherever you're connecting in within the Heritage family, I'm super glad you're there because every space is designed to be a space that we can encounter God. And when we do, we have an opportunity for more. See, I don't know what kind of day you've had, I don't know what kind of week you have had, but I know and understand this, that we are positioned to experience the more of God when we're ready and willing to do so. In fact, I think I hold a fundamental belief that, that today is not a day to get through. It's not just something to survive, to cling to, to hold to, like just, just to survive. Today is not a day to get through, but a day to get to. <laughs> it's a day to get to, and I'm pretty sure my high school English teacher wouldn't like this fill-in and this statement altogether, so let me just put some quotes around get to. Today is a day to get to, where we get to make a difference. We get to know God. We get to experience Him. We get to leave a legacy. And I don't know what your get to is today, but I know that there is an opportunity to step into more with God wherever you're at, if you're willing. If you're willing. Because God has a purpose and a plan for you. It's one to give you hope and a future. It's not to harm you. It's for more. In fact, Paul, he's a missionary and church planter in the Bible who who captured something out of the Old Testament and described this more that God has for us. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined. <laughs> That's awesome. What God has prepared for those who love him. I, I want you to just take this in for a moment. God has prepared something that is not fully realized, not fully grasped, that is beyond our imagination for those who are prepared to live in a posture of love and relationship with him. It's fantastic. Last week, you we talked a bit about what it looks like to love him and an interaction between Jesus and Peter and John chapter 21. And it's, that's probably one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. If you missed the conversation, get in there and check it out because there's a way to be restored. There's a way to step into loving more. There's a way to even imagine more with God. And it's in that space, but it's all connected to how we respond to Jesus today, how we respond to Jesus each day. And what I want to do in our time now is to look at another interaction that Jesus had in a different moment. In a way, it's a very similar conversation to the conversation he had with Peter, but it's a totally different conversation in the sense of who it was with and how they responded and the outcomes that came from it. So if you have a Bible, I want you to grab it and click or turn to Luke chapter 18. This is where we're going to settle in on our scripture today. If you don't have it, totally cool. There's a note guy that has the scriptures. We're also going to throw them up here on the screen to track along. But we're going to lean into this particular conversation, this, this interaction with a different person that had a different kind of nuance to it and a different outcome than the conversation we have with Peter. But it all connects back to this idea that there is more for us and God if we're willing to step into it. That this unimaginable awesomeness of God is available when we know how to step into more. So you can just track along here. Let's just start with Luke 18, starting at verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, and that's Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Verse 21, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have, Give to the poor, you have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, 
there is so much to dig out of this exchange with Jesus. And I actually encourage you to go study it on your own. This interaction is captured in, in Luke. It's also in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. And there are subtle nuances and details that give texture and depth to this interaction. But I encourage you to, to study and lean in on your own and this what might be a very familiar passage for some of you. you. You may know it. You may have looked at it before. But I want to spend a couple moments today looking at it from a slightly different angle. Really understanding how it positions us to step into the more of God. Because I think the key to how we step into the more that God has for us is reflected in here. And we can all benefit from being able to step into that unimaginable stuff of God when we understand how it all works. See, in, in our more together journey, which we've been having that conversation for a few weeks now, we fundamentally hold the belief that we're made for more. Whoever you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you're facing today, you are made for more. Uh, God loved you enough to send Jesus. He sent Jesus that we have life and life to the full, an abundant life. There is a space for us to experience life through him. You're created by God and for God. There is more. We're made for more, often made for more than we realize. Made for more to have of God, know of him, experience with him, even to do alongside with him. We're made for more than we realize. Yet, every single one of us lack one thing until we have one thing. And that one thing is Jesus. Uh, a relationship, a proximity, a following, a, a submission. We lack one thing until we have one thing. But how we engage him, how we approach him, how we intersect with him is important because if we're trying to show up with Jesus trying to prove something to him or we're trying to show up to Jesus trying to know something from him, those are different than showing up to proximity to Jesus wanting to be something with him. And he's actually wanting us to become fully who we're created to be, not just know something or prove something in our proximity to him. This man had a bit of that challenge as he intersects with Jesus. So if we just kind of go back to the narrative and you can kind of follow down through in your note God if you want, but like when he approaches Jesus, he has a good question, but it's not quite the right question. He, he's asking Jesus for what he needs to do. And in reality, Jesus is inviting him to be uh, to actually step into a place of being. He, he knew he lacked something. It, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't so, so much the possessions. It wasn't the fact that he had possessions or that he was to sell them. It, it wasn't the call to generosity that generosity was going to somehow earn him something or, or the invitation to give to the poor that caring would somehow raise his value in the eyes of Jesus. Even the idea of storing treasure in heaven that Jesus calls him to, that's not the goal. The one thing this guy lacked was proximity with Jesus. He, he lacked being with him. And, and, and his mistake was not in who he approached. His mistake was in how he approached him. He approached him to know what he needed to do. And Jesus wanted him to come alongside and simply be. That, that's a very different posture. It's actually the space he calls all of us to live in. That the man was looking for something to do and all he needed to do was to accept the invitation. I mean, this dude, he had a personal invitation from Jesus to follow him. Come follow me. Jesus saw in him his potential. Jesus saw within him the beauty of his devotion in his faithfulness in different seasons of his life and he invited him to something more. But the man didn't want to do what was required to live into the more. That's, that's huge. See, he, he wanted more, but he couldn't engage his imagination for what it would look like to be with Jesus 
and experience the more that he actually desired all along. He, he, he was ready to get from Jesus. He wasn't ready to be with Jesus because being with Jesus requires sacrifice. Being with Jesus requires letting go of things that we find control and comfort in. Being with Jesus means offering up all that we are to, to all of him. And, and I, I'm firmly convinced a lot of people want what Jesus offers because it's awesome, <laughs> totally awesome. And a few people start to get the sense of, okay, I actually want him. But I think many of us struggle with what comes along with that. Struggle with the idea of sacrifice. Struggle with the idea of stepping by faith. Struggle with the idea of being tested in our faith. And as a result, struggle. Walk away sad. Lacking one thing still. That proximity and relationship to the one who gives life. And life to the full. And hear me. When we step in relationship to Jesus, there is sacrifice. There is a cost. But there's also great opportunity. Great opportunity for more in our lives if we'll step in bold obedience. It comes with a cost. It comes with a sacrifice. But it's one that we offer for his glory. And if we're willing not to, willing to not avoid that cost or we're, not really, we're willing to stop fighting against it, we can step into and experience more. This guy started the right way by coming to Jesus. Mark tells us he showed up and fell on his knees before Jesus. He started the right way. But he ends up asking the wrong question. He lacked one thing. He lacked Jesus. And he walks away from Jesus. I think he walks away sad from Jesus, not because he didn't want Jesus, but because he didn't understand how to get to more. There is a way that we live into more, and there's a way that we won't live into more. And in this particular place, the very thing he wanted was what he was offered, but because he didn't expect it, he ended up walking away from it. That changes everything else in his world. See, if we're going to live into the more of God, imagining the possibilities with God is about what can be. It's beyond the norm. It's beyond the basics. But there is a very particular way by which we walk a path to the more that God has for us. It involves a principle. In fact, from the very foundation of the world, God has created the world around some principles for how things function. And one of those principles, when it comes to being fruitful in life, when it comes to experiencing harvest, if you would, in our life, is an incremental process that has to be walked to experience harvest. Nobody lives in perpetual harvest all the time. There is a journey to it. And it starts first and foremost with a commitment. It means buying. If you think about this in the terms of a farmer in a field, in an agrarian context, we know that if a farmer is going to have a harvest of some kind of crop, they have to commit to a location. They get a field. And in a very similar way, the process of harvest in our lives, spiritually and relationally, starts with buying in, with committing. Once we do that, then we walk through a process of plowing that field, where we're removing the obstacles, the rocks and the trees. We're, we're plowing that fallow ground and tilling it up and preparing it, where we're doing the hard work of preparing the soil for the next part of it, which is planting where we, we put a seed in the ground. We, we invest a small thing that can lead to a grand, great thing. After buying and plowing, we get to this space of planting. And you know what? My aunt made a cross stitch one time for my mom that as a kid, I just, it blew my mind. It simply said, anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. As a little kid, I was like, wow. Hear me though. Our task in that whole thing is not about counting apples. It's about investing the seeds that God gives us. And we do that as we plant. But once we plant, now we have to maintain the space of watering and weeding. We buy, we plow, we plant, but then we water and we weed. We, we pour in what's necessary for growth and we pull out the stuff that's in the way. In a way, Jesus was doing that with this man. 
hey, I'm going to want you to pull out the weeds. They're not necessarily inherently bad things, but they're in the way of your full growth. And, and there's this plowing, planting, watering, and weeding space that when we're willing to walk that journey, we, that's when we actually get into harvest. That's when we experience fruitfulness. This happens when we're growing a product in an agrarian context as a farmer. It happens when we're working a garden. It also happens in our relationship with God and our relationship with other, peoples, other people in our journey to seeing cities and communities transformed. There is a process that leads to harvest and fruitfulness. If we wanna see families restored and communities transformed, recovering from a lack of love doesn't happen instantaneously overnight. There's a long haul journey that we walk alongside where we invest, we buy, we plow, we plant, we water, we weed in ways that position God to bring the harvest that he's seeking to bring. Yet I'll tell you, his process, his principle sits in tension with our culture. Our our culture is fast paced. Everything seems to be microwavable. There's this grand expectation that everything is fast. Everything is quick. And most people grow impatient even after a few minutes of waiting for anything. And very few people are committed long enough to dig in and remain long enough to see transformation, to see harvest take place. The Bible says that we will reap a harvest if we do not quit, if we're willing to invest and and do the work ahead of time so that God can bring about the fruit he wants to bring. And nobody lives in perpetual harvest. I once heard somebody say that um, sunshine all the time leads to desert. That's true. There, there are seasons, there's spaces of rain, there's, there, there are changes in the season that create flourishing in space. And as we walk in life, in relationship to God, in relationship with other people, there is space that we maintain that allows God to bring harvest, not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people. It's our faithfulness, the waiting space, that God-honoring waiting space requires our faithfulness to walk in the process of seasons, buying, plowing, planting, watering, and weeding. Now, here's the thing when it comes to imagining more, the, the, the invitation for the man in this journey, he, he was specifically positioned to sell, to, to give, to store differently. But when we start thinking about imagining, imagining more is not the same as wanting more. They're two different things. Imagining more and wanting more are not the same thing. The, the man wanted something, but he couldn't imagine it, which means he wasn't willing to walk the process to get to what he desired. He just wanted it. He wasn't willing to stay in the space to buy, plow, plant, water, weed, so to speak, in his life of, of selling and giving and storing treasure in heaven, then come follow Jesus to experience what he actually wanted. But as a church, Heritage, we're committed to investing in ways that allow us to see harvest, that allow us to see the fruitfulness that God calls us to. It's not simply a desire. It's not simply wishful thinking. It's beyond wanting. We're faithfully pursuing it. We know it's active. We, we know it's not passive. It requires bold obedience. It requires faithful risk. Imagining the possibilities of what can be as we manage the space between where we're at and what God's trying to bring about. It's beyond the norm. It's beyond the, the explainable. It's beyond imagination for God to lean into spaces as we imagine more and not just want more, where we're investing faithfully, willing to risk, willing to step in trust, willing to yield to his purpose and his priorities. That's, that's a space of beauty. And as a church, we're willing to sit in this space, whatever phase and season that we're in so that God can bring harvest. We, we plant seeds, we water stuff, but God makes things grow. 
And we're willing to sit in this space so that we can see a harvest of souls, an eternal harvest, a spiritual harvest of thousands of people coming to Jesus. And one of the things I love about our church is that God has allowed us to be in a space where we have created space for people to step in a relationship with him, where we connect to people who are far from God, where we see them walk in wholeness and fullness with him. It's a messy space. It takes time. It's hard work, but it's totally worth it because people walk in relationship to God as a result. It's not quick and easy. It's often actually long and slow and difficult. But regardless of the nuances in walking from buying and plowing and planting and watering and weeding, whatever those things are, the process is the same where we get to harvest. And it comes from Jesus. It comes from him. He's the one who gives life. And we can try to be people who just simply try to know of him and know about him and capture some pieces of things about him where we can actually walk alongside and following him, where we know him deeply, we love him fully, and we experience the journey of reaching fruitfulness in our own lives and ourselves as a church family as we follow him. You know, one of the, one of the things you may know about Jesus and the things he taught, he taught a lot of different things, but there was one particular subject that he talked about the most, that was recorded the most. And it was, it's money. But it's not because of money. It's actually because of one other reason. And that reason is reflected in this really big red heart. The one reason Jesus spent so much time talking about money is not because he wants our money, it's because he wants our heart. See, when I talk about heart, I'm not talking about the muscle that pumps blood through a system. I'm talking about the thing that, that reflects what, it, what gets our attention, our affinity, the, what's attracted to the, the, the core of our being. He wants that. He wants our attention. He wants our affinity. He, he wants us to give us his, our heart. He wants us fully. The problem is, whoever we are, it doesn't matter if you've walked with God a long time or not, our heart was created to follow, not lead. It was created to follow. It was actually created to follow him. But when we don't set our heart on things above, we don't set our heart on him, it will follow whatever we value. It'll follow whatever we love, whatever has our affinity. And Jesus understood that. In fact, he said at one point, he said, look, don't, don't store up treasure uh, on earth where there's moth and rust and people like thieves who break in and steal. That's not worth it. Store up treasure in heaven. Because here's the deal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. Because our heart, your heart, was created to follow, not lead. It will lead your life, but it will follow what you value. And Jesus said, even to the man that day, he said, you need to value following me. You want fullness of life? You want eternal life? You want to experience harvest in your life? Then you need to align your heart to me so that you can experience that. Our, our hearts are created to follow, not lead. And that man in that particular space... His issue, this wasn't a conversation about money. This is a conversation about heart alignment, a conversation about obedience. Even our conversation last week around Peter uh, being reconciled to Jesus and the whole, like, Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, I do. Then take care of my sheep. There's a beautiful exchange there. In many ways, that's the same conversation that we're looking at today, just from a totally different angle. It's the same conversation that Jesus is having. It, where he's ultimately saying, look, if you love me, and loving me is the key to eternal life. If you love me, then align your heart and use the things you have in life as you buy, plow, plant, water, and weed to let me bring harvest into your life. It's the same subject, a different approach. And if we really do love him, our life will look different. 
We, we will invest in ways that involve cost. It'll be a continual thing because when he asks us to cost or to step into a cost, it's not about the suffering and the sacrifice. It's about our heart alignment. He's making sure, like, let me come back and make sure your heart's still aligned to me. Because your heart will rest whatever to wherever your treasure is. It was created to follow, not to lead. And in our journey together, in our more process, he calls us to align our heart. And that's expressed in our treasure. Now, one of the things I understand about Jesus, when he says, do you love me more than these things that he talked to Peter about? He's, he's trying to align the heart. But whenever we lean into him and we follow him and we study what he's taught and we, and we choose to step in obedience, I consistently find that Jesus is more, more often than not, he's not trying to give us an answer to our questions, he's trying to give himself as the answer. When, when, when we follow Jesus and we experience anything in life, we can have questions and he may answer those questions, but more than answering questions, he wants to give himself as the answer to every question. Because in him, there is life and life to the full. He delights in our obedience. He, he invites us to faithfulness, but he gives himself. He gives himself as the answer to whatever we face. And if we're willing to receive him as the answer, which is what the man had the opportunity to do, okay, Jesus, I will follow you. I'll do these things, but I will follow you because that's what I'm ultimately needing. Whenever we do that, there will be a space of testing. In fact, this is a bit of a test for the man. And, and A.W. Tozer said this about testing. He said, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. Never uses anybody greatly until he tests them deeply. Now, that testing can be something big or small, public or private. It can be quick or it can take a longer time. But all of it, all of the testing is about aligning heart. It's not about the cost or the suffering. It's about the heart alignment. And when we're willing to step into a space of saying, my heart is aligned to you, I value you more than anything else, then we can step into more. And others can step into more around us. The, the young man the day that, that he ran up to Jesus, fell on his knees and had this conversation with Jesus had a beautiful opportunity to have a very quick and deep lesson that would have led him to acquiring and having his greatest desire. <laughs> but he chose not to align his heart. He chose not to obey in that space. But every time we're willing to demonstrate faithfulness to God, he demonstrates his back to us. In fact, I don't wonder sometimes when God calls us to faithfulness that it isn't about us demonstrating our faithfulness or proving our faithfulness, but really about creating a space for him to prove and demonstrate his faithfulness. What if the call to be faithful wasn't about us proving our faithfulness, but creating space for him to demonstrate his There is more in God for you today if you're willing to step in bold obedience and follow. I wanna uh, actually invite you to listen to a story of a friend named Laurel for two reasons. Um, one is that her story intersects very directly with the vision that God has for us as a church. It's kind of mind blowing to me on some levels. The second reason is, is that she wasn't always part of our church family, but Jesus' specific invitation to follow him led her into intersecting with us and being alongside of us as we buy and plow and plant and water and weed towards a harvest that only Jesus can bring. So just sit back and just listen to Laurel's story. I have been affiliated with Heritage Church for some time before I actually came to be a member here because of my son. And I've been praying for them and the leadership team for a long time. And I'd say about six years ago, I started having this recurring dream 
and it was about a building, but I didn't understand it. I just knew I had it a lot and I had it so much that it became routine to me. And then one day, my son was visiting me in Arizona, where I lived, and I woke up that morning and I told him, I keep having this weird recurring dream and I don't understand it. And he said to me, well, tell me about it. So I did, and I told him it was about this building, this building that was on an off-ramp, and it was about four stories high, and of each floor, there was something different, a worship center, a community center. Around the sides were offices, uh, community space, even a university. And he had this expression on his face, like, I just have to tell you something. And it was at that point that I learned Heritage might be pursuing this building that was on an off-ramp of a highway, about four stories high, <laughs> that had been a call center, and that the outer offices eventually might be used for a variety of things, unknown at that time. And when he showed me pictures, it was uncanny how similar it was to my dream. And ever since I shared that with him, I've not had the dream since. At one point I came to see my son Jeremiah and I had the opportunity to go see the building which we now know as Bridgepoint. I've often wondered why God would give me those dreams when I was so far away and didn't understand why he would connect me to Heritage in that way. I believe it was to be a part of what is happening here in this city, in this community, and what Heritage is doing through that building, which is now Bridgepoint. So I never thought in all my times visiting the Quad Cities that I'd actually be a resident here, but a couple years ago, I felt very drawn to this place and like, this is where I needed to be. And at that point, God just started moving things in me that this is what I needed to do. And so I got on board. I put my house on the market on faith and sold my home and moved here in March of 2018. I came here on faith without a job and just trusted God to take care of things. And through that time and his faithfulness, he has provided a home for me. He's provided a job for me and a community. What I love about Heritage today is the diversity, the inclusion of other people groups, and I love that Heritage is bringing them into the family and making them feel a part of things, showing them that Jesus is for everybody and we love everybody, no matter what walk of life they've come from, no matter what their past looks like. I love seeing how God is at work at Heritage. God responds to our faithfulness with his. And whenever we're willing to step in bold obedience, there's more. And I have to tell you, first time I heard that conversation between Jeremiah and his mom, I just started to weep because it was well ahead of any public conversation, well ahead of, of even me unpacking and sharing the vision that was stirring in my heart around community collaboration, even around a university, 
in a space like Bridgepoint. And it, for me and our leadership team, was just further affirmation of what we already felt God was saying. But what's striking to me about the whole exchange, and you may feel like, wow, that feels kind of impossible that God would give a dream and speak like that to her. And, and maybe not, maybe like, yeah, totally, I get it. He's done that in the past. I see that in scripture. But the reality is Jesus, after this interaction with the man, in verse 27 says that we serve the God of the impossible. That whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. So in, in your life, as you even consider what we're leaning towards as a church family or whatever you're facing relationally, whatever you're facing in your workplace, whatever feels impossible to you is not impossible with God. He is someone who responds to faithfulness with his own faithfulness. When we step in bold obedience, there is always more. And the journey around Bridgepoint, the journey for Laurel, the journey for the man that encountered Jesus that day was an invitation to step in faithful obedience, to demonstrate faithfulness out of us so he can demonstrate faithfulness to us and the man didn't do it, but Laurel did, and I'm glad. She's still doing it. I love her heart for the things of God. She sacrificed everything to be all in here, and he has proven faithful along that journey with her. And whenever Jesus is calling a person, whether it's the man, whether it's Laurel, us as a church, you as an individual, whatever feels impossible is actually possible with him when we're willing to step in obedience. There is more. And, and Jesus says that statement as a fact. <laughs> He's like, this is the deal. Whatever is impossible for humanity is not impossible for God. And we're a church that's chasing big vision that may feel impossible to you. The reality is it is big vision, but we serve a big God. And as we continue to lean into that vision, he's showing himself faithful. Even as we think more clearly about the imagining more component for us as a church, there are three specific things I wanna make sure you're aware of and praying alongside us with. One of those is the Bridgepoint reality that, that Laurel spoke to, that many of you are aware of and been tracking with us since 2017 when we leaned boldly into this. The Bridgepoint facility is a space of community collaboration. It is a space for sacred moments like prayer. It, it will also be a space of continuing community collaboration where we will work alongside other organizations to seek the peace and prosperity of our cities. Uh, there's a space within that for all kinds of things to happen within the room that can be discipleship, evangelism, worship, community collaboration, as I said, all kinds of dynamics. In fact, just at this point in our process, there are five organizations outside of Heritage that are in 10 spaces within Bridgepoint that are serving our cities alongside of us. And that's just the beginning of what God wants to do in and through that space. Just this past week, we had about 500 people across our Heritage family gather at Bridgepoint to launch our journey towards Easter in our Ash Wednesday service. It was powerful to be in that space and, and, and to be committing it to the Lord, but at the same time committing ourselves to the Lord as we walk towards the journey towards the cross in an empty tomb. I love what God's allowing us to do in Bridgepoint, but the work is not done. There's still much more ahead of us. But we're not just about buildings. We're not about monuments. We're about a movement of God. And, and it's not just for this generation that we're investing. We're, in genera we're investing for generations to come. And one of the other partnerships that we're stepping into is with a university, Indiana Wesleyan University. In the near future, we're going to start to roll out a partnership where we're connecting, going to be establishing a cohort of students, studying a lot of different fields of study, where we're connecting faith and learning and their vocation. A lot of times people study something, they find some church community and faith dynamic, and then they go to work somewhere and it feels all disconnected as opposed to very intentional that God has called them and equipped them in a way that out of their faith, out of their learning, they live on mission. And we're gonna be able to do that alongside students that, that really raises up world changers for years to come. And I cannot wait to see how God's gonna work through that. But we're not just talking about 
people within our nation in this next season. As we imagine more, we're stepping into an international partnership with a church in Haiti. Rendezvous Church is its name. It is a passionate group of Christ followers who are reaching the next generation in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I am convinced that God has raised up Rendezvous to be a catalyst of a church planting movement that will change that nation, change the nation of Haiti. And through a very intentional, more than year long process, God has intersected our hearts with this church, specifically alongside the leaders, Julio and Suzette Volsi. And I'm looking forward to having them with us on a visit so you can hear from them and understand what God's doing in and through the Rendezvous family and how God wants to connect both of us together for for more, not only there, but here in this next season. Those are three imagine more components for us as a church that I know God does, wants to do more than we can even begin to imagine at this point. And for some of you, if you've been around the Heritage family for a while, you know this isn't some radically new vision, but this is next level, deeper vision, uh, expression of the very same vision where we're seeking to reach people who are far from God. He has allowed us to do that over and over and over again, but there is so much more. We as a church are holding the space on a journey towards harvest, if you would. If you go back to that imagery, we're willing to sit in this space. We, we have bought locations, fields, if you would, to be spaces where we plow and plant. We have invested in spaces alongside students in schools and alongside prisoners within prisons. We, we're investing in plowing and planting, watering and weeding so that God can bring harvest, life to the full, the more that he has for thousands, if not tens of thousands across our region and in other nations. And I love that God is allowing us to hold those spaces. He, he's letting us to work in space like this for the more. And, and quite honestly, I think sometimes the gospel can be diminished, the impact of it can, can be diminished when, when people aren't willing to sit and work through the process. They just quit. But as scripture says, it, we will reap a harvest if we do not quit. If we're willing to remain, and we're a church who's willing to remain, to, to be present in communities long enough, to walk alongside families long enough to see true transformation, to sit in those spaces that are often difficult, but where they can, we can actually see and experience more. We're committed to it. We invest intentionally to it. We tend and protect the investments God's given us, but we wait and we watch for God to bring harvest. And this next season of More Together is the platform he's calling us to do that in. I think it's important for you to know that as we have rolled into and developed the more together journey and the, what it looks like to love, restore, and imagine as a church moving forward. As we engage the ministry team and the board in that process, we have 100% buy-in to where we're at and where we're going at the leadership level. That's important for you to know. It's also important for you to know that our denominational leadership is fully behind what we're doing, so much so they have already invested about $400,000 in, in the vision to this point in a couple of different ways, and there's another $100,000 still yet to come. That's huge, but it's affirmation of what God has called us to and their support. In fact, our regional superintendent has personally committed finances to seeing us live into the vision that God has for us because he believes in it, he sees God working in it, and he wants us to experience the more and to see God respond. It, it's also important for you to know that as Beth and I individually have leaned into this as a couple, as we've prayed, we've heard from God for how he wants us to engage. Uh, we're a family that's committed to first fruits giving to God. And we've done that for years, where we give to God that first 10% of everything that we receive, we give back to him. That's just how we're wired. And we sit in a posture as a couple to seek to be willing to do more. But where we're willing to actually 
give into next bold moves. We're willing to give towards missions. We're willing and have partnered alongside families in critical crisis moments. We've even partnered with other organizations locally, internationally. That's just, that's just part of how we're wired and being all in. But as we have prayed about the more together and what God is asking us to do in this more together journey, we've heard two things. First, to maintain that posture around first fruits. That, that 10% back to him is a given for us and that, that will continue. But the second thing we've heard in this process is he's asking us to redirect an additional 25% of our household income over the next two years towards the more together journey. And that's significant. That's not coming out of an excess. That's coming out of a sacrifice space for us. But as we have prayed, that's exactly what we've heard God ask us to do. And I don't share that with you to invite your attention or affirmation. I share that with you to invite your partnership, to invite you to walk a very similar journey of simply talking to God and doing whatever he says to be willing to max out whatever he asks you to give, to be willing to be generous to God in this next season so that we can experience more, not only individually and corporately, but across our cities and across our region and even into other nations. Be willing to do whatever he says. If you're not quite sure as you ask him and you don't know how to lean in, I, I want to invite you to consider something. If you were to step back from your finances and look at where all of your investments go, and you look at the top three spaces that your finances are invested, if Heritage is not in that top three, I would invite you to consider what it would take for Heritage to move to that top three, or even to the very top, which is what Beth and I are doing and, and what other leaders are doing. But to simply make it a priority to invest in the things of God and the kingdom moving forward for harvest, for thousands and tens of thousands of souls yet to come. To be willing to step in a space of sacrifice, in the end, the invitation is talk to God and do what he says. It's really follow Jesus as he asks you. And the quantity that you end up committing to from him, totally up to you. It's between you and God. But as, as we walk the process, I'm inviting our church family to 100% engagement. I, I'm asking everybody to engage simply as he asks you to engage. And if you're someone who's given to the church for years or maybe not yet even started, there is a space to engage in the next and I'll invite you to consider it, just doing whatever he asks. In fact, there are four, maybe five things actually that you could consider as we lean into this next season. For some of you, there's an opportunity to be an initial giver. Uh, you, you've never given to the church, but this is a space to say, all right, I'm gonna trust God and the leadership of the church to invest for more for his kingdom. For others, there's a space to be a consistent giver. So I'm not just giving sporadically, I wanna give consistently. I wanna give back to God, make sure my heart is aligned. I wanna do that over and over again consistently. For some of you, you're being called to be mindful and that's that priority space of saying, all right, what does it look like to make sure I'm investing in kingdom in a priority way? Others might be invited to a sacrificial space where you're actually asking the question, is my giving changing me? And is my giving changing others? Because as we handle our treasure, it actually does change us and others as God leads to harvest. And then there's a space for some to consider a legacy posture. This is a shift in thinking for many people to go from being somebody who's seeking to acquire something to being part of achieving something for God and his kingdom. You're really going from asking the question of God, how much do you want me to give to God, how much are you asking me to keep? That's a different posture and it's a legacy mindset. What I want to invite you to is to consider where he wants you to engage. These are on-ramps into leaning into a more expression. There is no pressure in this conversation, only invitation. And the invitation is to talk to God and do exactly what he says. 
We're trying to give handholds of ways to do that. We've also specifically declared how we think God's calling us to get to the more he calls us to. Commitment cards were available last week. They'll be available today. You can get online at moretogetherqc.com to read down through more details and questions and answers. But what I'm asking you to do today is to continue to have conversation with God. For, for three weeks, I've asked you to, to talk to God in preparation to be able to do what he says. We're gonna do that for one more week with the hope that next week when we gather back together that we'll all be positioned to say, okay, here's what I know. Here's what God has asked me to do. And here's the more that he's asked me to lean into for greater harvest. Next week, March 7th and 8th, we're gonna take a time to celebrate, lean in further, consecrate not only us, but the more together journey. And I invite you to come prepared to declare what you have heard God say as you've been praying with him for what will be hopefully up to a month of conversation or even more if you started earlier of how he's asking you to lean into this. There is a space for us to experience more than we can imagine, more than any eye has seen or ear has heard if we're willing to step and follow him. In fact, the, the question that maybe we can all consider this week is really just where is, how is Jesus inviting you to follow him? How is he inviting you to follow him? That young man that approached him, it required him to, to be positioned, to release some belongings, to be generous, to, to store treasure in heaven so his heart was aligned to Jesus, but ultimately just simply follow. What is it that Jesus is asking you to do to follow? There's a couple of lines in your note guide that maybe you can think down through because maybe it has to do with your possessions. Maybe it has to do with relationships. Maybe it has to do with a risk or a workplace environment where Jesus is saying, look, do it my way. Follow me. Align your heart to me. Let me bring harvest while you're faithful in managing the space and the process before that. Where is Jesus inviting you to follow him? He has more for you and he has more for us. And I'm convinced that we are more together as a church. But the work ahead of us is a harvest that he will bring if we're willing to be faithful and in investing along the way, being present long enough in communities to see transformation. Those who are willing to remain in relationship, those who are willing to sit in difficult space, to hold the space for others, those are the ones that see breakthrough. Those are the ones who experience harvest, willing to plow and plant, willing to water and weed. And maybe in your follow invitation from Jesus, he's actually asking you to weed out some stuff. And maybe the weeding out component has everything to do, not with the weeds, but with what it means for your heart. How those things are obstacles, how those things are actually leading your heart, not toward him, but away from him and his purpose. So we're gonna take a moment as a church to remember the sacrifice of Jesus in communion. We're gonna worship in song, but as we do, I wanna invite you to continue in a posture of prayer asking where Jesus is inviting you to follow him. What step of obedience, what step of risk by faith is he asking you to do? Not just because you want something, because you're willing to imagine with him that stuff that no eye or ear, that no mind has yet imagined because you're willing to love him and see him bring a harvest in you and through you for his kingdom and his glory. So let's take a moment to pray and then we'll step into the next part across our network. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we pause right now and ask you to continue to lead. 
uh, our hearts, we're created to, to follow you. We want you to lead our hearts. And I pray that if there's work to be done in any plowing or weeding or watering, any planting dynamic, you want us to invest in somebody else or want us to remove something within our own space that's, that's distracting us or pulling us away or keeping us from following where we've struggled because we didn't want to sacrifice, where, where we have wandered in sadness because we weren't willing to step into the cost. God, I, whatever that is, for my friends, I pray that not only would they know, not only would we all know, but that we would step into that individual thing and we'd step into our community more together realities simply because we're following you. So may you speak in these next few moments, may you lead, but may all we say and do bring you glory and honor. And may you bring a harvest in us and through us again for your glory and not ours. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.